Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown, and welcome to the Cy Brown Morning Show. I have a great show planned for us today. We have a lot to talk about. Today is Tuesday, October 16th, and tonight is the second presidential debate between um, our president, our current sitting president, President Barack Obama, and his running mate, Mr. Mitt Romney. And as an ardent follower of politics, everyone is hoping that President Obama comes out with boxing gloves and ready to fight and ready to kick Mitt Romney's ass, basically. <laughs> and I kind of hope that, too, uh, just to make for better entertaining television. <laughs> this is a, a very serious election and a very serious time in our country, but we have to also remember it is what it is. So, you know, let's let's take it for what it is. <clears throat> I believe that um, with early voting and with all of the rhetoric going back and forth, uh, Obama's going to win. But who am I? I host the Cy Brown Morning Show every day. Um, but I, I believe people know deep in their heart uh, who the right choice is. Now, I will say, and I've said this many times on the show, that I was not originally a a lockstep Obama supporter. I was more for the Clintons. But I believe that our country is in such a dire place right now that what Mitt Romney is offering just doesn't work. And when I was really exploring the election, the content, the comments, the innuendo, it made me go into a little deeper of an exploration of who I felt Mitt Romney was. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about him, and it led me to the topic of today's show. And the topic of today's show is the anatomy of a billionaire. And it's very important because you know, Pharrell, for all you hip-hop music heads, you know, he's got his clothing line, the, Mil- the Billionaire Boys Club, and we hear about Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. But what truly constitutes a billionaire? And what does a billionaire look like? What does a billionaire believe? Now, I can't say for certain that Mitt Romney is, in fact, a billionaire, but I'll tell you like this, <laughs> he is a multi-millionaire many, many times over, as is, for the record, President Obama. I remember uh, I was hosting a show years ago on a radio station, um, and I got kicked off the show, <laughs> basically. Actually, after my comments, that was my last appearance on the show. Um, because the host, I was a co-host, the host and I got into an on-air spirited debate about President Obama. This was back in 2008. And she was insisting that President Obama and Michelle Obama were just like average black people and because of all their community work and things. And I said, no, they are wealthy. <laughs> they are already wealthy. Michelle Obama is was a very prestigious executive in Chicago, 
um, President Obama was a senator, and although he did not live off of a senator, just a senator's salary, um, I said on the show, I can't imagine that she gets up every morning and, and cooks her own dinner and does her daughter's hair with the positions that they have. It's just impossible when you're in public office, and she had a career at the time. Well, she didn't like it, and that was my last appearance on that show. <laughs> but we have to look at the reality the reality of the role that money plays in our society and in our world right now. And, you know, we can log on to websites, you know, People Magazine, Media Takeout, and, you know, watch these reality shows, and we see what looks like wealth, but it's not wealth. We have to get past what looks to be the obvious, which is a nice car or uh, a nice place to live, all of these types of things we have to look at and really understand that that's not what makes wealth. And when we're looking at the true anatomy of a billionaire, and I have some really good points that I'm going to bring up. Today we're going to talk about um, the caste system and, and what plutocrats really believe. So, you know, we're, we're really going to get into it today. But I needed to spend a, a few minutes understanding the importance of us looking past the obvious at what we think a billionaire really is. And so now as we move past that, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs, and their goal in most instances is a six-figure income. And quite honestly, a six-figure income is still not enough. We might think it's enough, but it's still not enough. Uh, you know, I have shared with you all many, many times I've been extremely successful in business, and then I've had some major failures in business. So money has always been very cyclical. But just because you hit six figures, you're not rich. I have a friend, a very close friend right now, who makes over $90,000 a year, and she is not rich. Trust and believe she is treading water just like someone making $25,000 because the more money you make, the more taxes you have, the bigger your expenses become. It's, 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 it's not as rosy as people may think. And I have shared with her as well as, as well as several people that you have to get good financial advisors and good people around you in order to maintain the money that you have, to, in order to hold on to the money that we have. And Warren Buffett is notorious for saying that. I Someone gave me a bit of sage advice years ago. They said, Saida, paying taxes is not an option, but how much you pay is. And so when we look at Mitt Romney, who is very reluctant and hesitant and just downright damn belligerent in sharing his tax returns prior to the last year, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. Those of means are very much aware that paying taxes is not an option, but how much you pay is. You you look at uh, Warren Buffett. He still lives, I think, where is it, like Utah or something, or, you know, like in the Midwest somewhere in the same $50,000 house he bought many, many years ago. It's A lot of it is about retaining the wealth you have, but we need to understand when we live in a society and really a global flat world, it's really about the spiritual. It's really about what we're not seeing. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible, for those of you who um, read the Bible or follow the Bible, I happen to read all different sorts of religious and spiritual books. But there is a book, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 12. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm almost at the tail end of my cold now. 
uh, and the scripture reads as follows. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, but against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's actually on one of the opening pages of my recent book, Life Remix, because we need to understand when we're talking about the anatomy of a billionaire, their mindset is not the same as the 99%. That's what makes them a billionaire. They see things and look at things very, very differently. I'm not calling them demonic. I'm not calling them the devil, as some people do. I don't believe that's the case. They just guide themselves by a different set of principles. You know, in in India, there's there's a system. It's called the caste system. Look it up if you have a chance. C-A-S-T-E. And the caste system was popularized in India based on this unwavering adherence to rigid social groups. And it, it, its presence is still, it still persists today, basically. And in this system, it's, it's evidenced by, and you can know, you know, you can see if a society is living under a caste-like system because it's evidenced by a collective belief of superiority or inferiority due to economic status, religion, social status, skin color, you name it, et al., you name it. And the United States, I believe, we live in a caste system. It's not as blatant or obvious as it is in India, but it's still there. It's still there. It still exists. Think about it. Right now they're trying to suppress voter registration and people coming out to vote based on what? Skin color. There was a man uh, who had on a T-shirt at a at a Romney rally that said, "Put the white back in White House." Regardless of Obama's uh, philosophy, and I don't want to make this a political show because I have enough shows that talk and really dig into politics. This is really about the anatomy of a billionaire, and us understanding as the ninety nine percent, for lack of a better percentage, um, how they think so we can better navigate our lives. This show is not designed for us to understand the anatomy of a billionaire to think like them. It's designed for us to be able to understand what makes them tick, having insight information, and being able to better maneuver and successfully navigate our own lives. We have to look at this, and this is a fact, and you can take it to your grave, billionaires have a world view. Billionaires have a world slash worldly view. This is something that I have been talking about very, very heavily over the last month. I just launched a, a blog, CyBrownGlobal.com. Just when you get a chance, just log on to CyBrownGlobal.com. And the whole premise of CyBrownGlobal.com is to share with my readers, who are mostly based in the United States, stories and happenings that happen around the world that ultimately affect our public policy, that ultimately affect legislation here in the United States, that ultimately affects advocacy trends, how we advocate for certain causes, whether it's water, feed the children, uh, Christmas initiatives so kids can get toys. It, billionaires have a world view. 
I remember I read this book probably about 10 years ago called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I would encourage everyone to read this book. It's not a difficult read, but what it does is this. It explains how he had two dads, you know, his real dad and then his neighbor's father, who he watched the two of them. And it was really about understanding the dynamic of work and wealth building. And I have shared many times on this show, and just when I'm out speaking around the country, that my husband has a very blue-collar job. But as far as earning potential goes, probably does better than some of those who are in quote-unquote professional positions. Let's look at it this way. When you endeavor to go into a professional field, professional meaning white collar for the sake of this conversation versus blue collar, you are delaying your earning potential because you're continuing your education, you're in school, you're networking, whereas someone who is typically in a more in a career that is more aligned with a blue collar, meaning the color of their uniform, uh, which is where the term stems from, uh, they are working at a much earlier point in their career, in their professional career, and over the lifetime of their work history have an opportunity to earn, actual tangibly earn, out-earn the others. Let's look at why. Number one, when you are in a professional career, you usually have to drive a nicer car, you have to be out networking, and all of these social accoutrements that go along with it. A blue-collar job, you don't have to do all of those things. You can go to a bar, eat 50-cent buffalo wings, and call it a day. Uh, furthermore, you, there's, there's not this level of expectation of wealth if you say, I am a doctor versus I am a, uh, you know, I drive a train, I drive an Amtrak train. There's different levels of expectations there. And when we're looking at the anatomy of a billionaire, and I'm using Warren Buffett as an example for the sake of this conversation, he says, and it's, he has said in several interviews, he will not live in New York. It's just too expensive. And, you know, me, I live in New York, grew up in New York. New York City is a very, very expensive place to live. Just to get over, I believe there's a, there's a, bridge, there's a bridge called the Veradano Narrows Bridge. And I believe they're trying to raise the toll on that bridge to $18. Well, if someone makes $9 an hour, they probably have to work two and a half hours after taxes just to be able to pay for one toll on the bridge. And when we're looking at rich dad, poor dad, and how we can live our lives and look at how it is in comparison to billionaires, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. I share with all of my friends who are employees to please start some type of a company. Start some type of a company so that you can write off some of your everyday expenses, no matter what they are. I'm not a tax professional. It's just things that I've learned over the years and I share. In addition to billionaires having an, a world view, they have an extreme level of self-confidence. See, you know, the more money you have, the more confidence you have. But what happens if you don't have the money yet? Think about it. Drug dealers, they walk around with puffed-up chests, walk into the club. Remember Denzel Washington in, uh, oh, what's that movie? I just drew a blank. Somebody in the chat room hit me up <laughs> about the drug dealer in Harlem. Somebody sent me a, a, a American Gangster. Uh, yeah, that was a movie. Thank you. I just got hit up in the chat room. American Gangster. You know, he walked into the ring. He had this big chinchilla coat on, and that's how the detectives caught him. And then he ended up throwing the fur coat, the chinchilla coat, into the fireplace. 
but there's this level of confidence that exudes when you're looking at what makes a billionaire and the traits of a billionaire. They exude this level of self-confidence. They have a talent for organization, and they have a talent for management. Let's look at those three things. Extreme self-confidence, a talent for organization, and a talent for management, which which is part of their, their the, the, the challenges, they use them to better themselves. They use them to better themselves without any obligation or any social responsibility. When we look at the anatomy of a billionaire, with an exception of very few, their fear is losing their money. Bill Gates has said several times, you know, he was questioned at Harvard. He went back. I remember um, reading the, the transcription of one of his speeches, and how does one of the students asked him, how does it feel to be a, a billionaire? And he said, after the first couple million, it really doesn't make a difference. You see what I'm saying? There's this extreme self-confidence. There's this keen talent for organization and this keen talent for management, which when they're used for self-fulfilling reasons and to perpetuate the system that they have in place for more money, it leads to a level of indifference for the poor or those who are not part of their system, thinking back to the caste system, and that's where you get the likes of Mitt Romney. Tonight is the second presidential debate, and I'm definitely not going to use this show to tell you who to vote for but I am going to tell you who not to vote for, and that's Mitt Romney. I have nothing against the guy. He is who he is, and that's what it is. But I will tell you this. <clears throat> I truly believe that Mitt Romney is sincere. I do. A lot of people call him a jerk, a racist, whatever it is. Whatever you want to call him, that's your business. I do believe he's sincere because he believes in a plutocratic society, one that is ruled by the wealthy. If you're money doesn't look like his money, he doesn't care about you. And since we know the 99% money doesn't look like his money, that's where this level of indifference comes in, which the Bible speaks of, by the way. The Bible and several sacred texts speaks of this level of indifference, this level of disregard. Jesus said the poor will always be among us. And as we look at the anatomy of a millionaire, they, I'm sorry, a billionaire, they don't necessarily believe that they should be faulted, taxed, or slighted because of what they have. See, you know, when you look at Pluto, look up the word, P-L-U-T-O-C-R-A-T, plutocrat. There's many variations, plutocracy, um, plutocrat is just, you know, plutocratic society. There's a lot, but look up that word. I want you to look that up, and I want you to look up the caste system, C-A-S-T. These are two things that I really believe are important for, for all of my listeners to understand as we look at the anatomy of a billionaire and how their policies and philosophies can ultimately affect us. Plutocrats such as Mitt Romney, they don't see anything wrong with the poor. They really don't, except for the fact that they're poor. He has no, as evidenced by his words on several occasions, has no feeling of social responsibility and, and, and that the poor really exists for the discretionary use of the likes of himself. As evidenced by the statements that he makes, I like firing people, 
Um, you know, these people are never going to vote. I mean, the list goes on and on about some of the stupid things that Mitt Romney has said. But we have to look at the source. Remember, we said at the top of the show, we're not fighting a, a tangible dollar-for-dollar dollar war. We are fighting a spiritual war. We are fighting against beliefs, norms, values. That's really what it is. And as we look at the anatomy of and I keep saying this over and over because I really want you to get it, look at the trends. I've shared, they look at things from a world view, a world perspective. And I said it, and I'm going to continue to say it, not for us to live every day and work every day to become uh, wealthy or to aspire what wealthy people have. That's not, that's not necessarily the case. If you do, that's on you, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But it's really designed to help people better understand how we use the mandate that has been placed on our lives to circumvent these policies and this caste system that is in place because it's in place here. It's unspoken, but it's, it's in place in the United States as well for us to be able to fulfill the mandate that God has placed on our lives. That's it. So when we look at tonight's debate and we read the newspapers and we, uh, you know, pine through these issues, don't get sidetracked by things that are not necessary. Look at the hardcore facts and understand, understand at, at, at the core that these people really don't feel that there's anything wrong with what they're saying or what they're doing. Remember, I, I believe firmly that they just don't have a feeling of social responsibility and that we are here at their disposal. And another word for that could be slavery. I sat yesterday with my grandmother, who I, I love to pieces. My grandmother is 91 years old, and I talk about her as often and as frequently as I can because she just rocks. Um, and she said, Saida, baby, they're trying to take us back to be slaves. And I said, Grandma, really? And she said, girl, you better open your eyes. My grandmother is 91 and for years, because of her failing health, has always done like a write-in ballot or, you know, when you mail it in and it's early voting. She had everybody but the mayor of her town <laughs> make sure that they, re they switched her back to uh, an actual vote. She says she doesn't know how she's getting to the poll, how she's going to make it to the poll, how she's going to feel on that day. We're praying that it's not cold and rainy and wet because she says she needs to go to walk into that booth and cast her vote because it matters that much. Her generation, she's looking at it as them trying to take us back to slavery. And my generation can be like, come on, Grandma, really, are you serious? Slavery, take it back to the caste system. Take it back to the plutocratic society that is ruled by the wealthy. Is that not what these PAC, which means political action committees, are actually doing? One of the, the, the Koch brothers, K-O-C-H, you can look it up on the Internet, have pledged $400 million to defeat President Obama. $400 million to defeat him. And, again, I'm not trying to make this about the election, but you can't help talk about it because that's where they're trying to take it. But can you imagine somebody pledging $400 million? This is, you know, you have to take 100,000 10 times 
to get to a million, right? So now you have to take 100,000 20 times to get to 2 million. Now you have to take 100,000 three times to get to 3 million. So how many 100,000 do we have to take to get to 400 million dollars to defeat Obama? Are you serious? They, why don't they, they, they're just pissed because they can't just buy the election for power and keep it pushing. And so there is merit to things that people like my grandmother or people of that generation who are full of wisdom, they, they, are, they, they are the oracles of our time, sharing. We need to listen to them. So when we look at the anatomy of a billionaire, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's about what the obvious is that they are trying to sell us, that it's the cars, the Bentley, the Rolls Royce, which is not so. It's about the non-visual, about the spiritual transactions that are taking place. And those with a very strong gift of discernment can see that. It's about putting in place on a more obvious and real level the system that is already in places in a blatant way, such as India, the system where everything is ruled superiority or inferiority is determined by things that we can't really change, such as our skin color and economic status. You're born into poverty or you're born into wealth. From there, you can change your circumstances. You can't determine what social status you're born into. And I, I believe it's critically important as we wind down today's show that you understand that billionaires have a very solid world view. I cannot beg you enough. Please expand your mind beyond what you see every day. There is a huge world out there, and I, it, it's frustrating when I hear so many people talk about, I want to make a six-figure income. That's great, and that's fine, and I'm not knocking your hustle. But there's more to it than that. I'm not saying don't live your dreams. If you feel the business opportunity that has been presented to you is your way of getting there, rock on. I will support you the best I can. But I am looking at my life and my future from a world position. What the hell is going on in Mumbai? What is happening in the U.K.? What is, I mean, what is happening, in, you know, in, in Israel? What's happening in Vietnam? What's happening in, in, what's another place, the U.K.? How are the policies of Europe and Pakistan uh, affecting us? What impact does the money that the United States citizens give to the Red Cross at times of disaster affect the people who are over in sub-Sahara Africa? So let's look at it and understand that the anatomy of a billionaire is based on their belief that we're here for their discretion, but they possess this worldview and mastery for organization and management that is unmatched by others. I thank you so much for listening today to today's show. We, we're going to really explore more and more as these shows, as my show continues, uh, into things of pure substance. I've been on the air doing this show since 2008, and we've had some awesomely fun shows. But I remember in September of 2008 when the, banks, uh, when the banking system started to collapse, I dedicated every show, every single day, as, as many times as God told me to, to the collapse of our financial markets. And I feel this is that time now. 
I am going to continue to talk about what's happening on a global level until the Lord says stop or sends me in a different direction. So for that, I thank you for bearing with me. I thank you for trusting me to bring you the most important and relevant news every single day. If you missed yesterday's show, yesterday we talked about how public pensions are underfunded by $1.2 billion. This is the real deal, folks. Public pensions right now are underfunded by $1.2 billion, and it's cross-referenced by several websites. Today we're talking about the anatomy of a billionaire, and tomorrow we have another amazing topic that is going to pull you in and help you live above your circumstances. Thank you to everybody who joined me in the chat room. I see you, LaVon F. You always are there with me every day. Big shout-out to my callers from 917-732-845 and 702. So thank you very much for listening. I see a lot of people on my dial. Always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow at 11.